Why does society have a fascination with crime? Do you sit at home on a Friday night and indulge in a marathon of blue bloods? Did you play cops and robbers when you were just a child? After years of epic dinner parties, long lunches and boozy brunches, we bring you Shaken and Stirred. Or rather, we are Shaken and Stirred. Cheers. This is Shaken and Stirred. I am Nigel Barker. We are back. We don't even know what we're doing here. I'm talking to Tom Astor, my co-host, who none of us can understand anyway. But I bring him over because he makes a fantastic martini. And of course, our guest today, you know our guest is the star attorney, Erin Reagan from the hit TV show Blue Bloods. She starred in many major films. And my favourite, of course, is the cult classic Coyote Ugly. (laughs) She's a New York Times bestselling author and avid philanthropist, Bridget Moynihan. Lovely to have you on. Thank you for Perfect. having me. There you go. Thank you. Well, th- well, thank you for being on. Mics intimidate me. Well, they should. I mean, they're right there and they kind of like block everything. They're right in my face. You don't like a mic, a mic right in your face. I don't like a mic. Any mic. <laughs> Any mic. I don't care where he came from. <laughs> Well, talking about, talk, I love the way this has started. You know, it's just when you least expect something, and you, you're in a real mood today. You know, I've known you for a few years now, and you've always got a great sense of humor, but there's something about today. I don't know what it I is. I have a slight fever. You know, I, I like that. Yeah. Obviously, it works. It's, it's a glow, though, right? It's, yeah, it's a kind little of glow, and it's really working for you. And the, it's not the voice is getting raspy. There we go. I know that's flow. working for you. Well, you know, <laughs> it's certainly working for him. <laughs> when I called you about this show, I said, "What do you want to drink?" And by the way, I do this to all our guests, and normally. It takes a day or a couple of days. <laughs> Sometimes I don't get an answer. You know, the publicist might even answer on their behalf. Right. I got an answer from you. I kid you not. I think I think I'd even pressed send. <laughs> it's like when you came on the show today. You knew everything that the previous guest had said to me about the Oreo cookie, about this, that, everything else. I got. I got vodka martini straight up, in and out with the vermouth, three olives on the side. Bam. That's right. I thought you meant what I wanted to drink right that second. <laughs> oh. <laughs> By the way, I think it was about 11 a.m. But, you That's know, it's okay. cocktail hour somewhere. That's right. You know, call it a cold, call it whatever you like. <laughs> why? Can you tell me why? What is, what is this? What is this drink? What does it mean to you? Um, it's clean. It's just clean and dry. It's like moonshine. And no history, you just have always loved it? When was the first I, time? What, I, I mean, don't remember the first time. I think I tried a gin martini first, mm. and that didn't work for me. But um, I think that wine started keeping me up in the middle of the night, um, and mixed drinks, the sugar. So I went somewhere clean and dry. Clean and dry. Well, you know, one needs something to put them on to sleep, clearly. <laughs> and well, Tom, do it. can you tell me what the in and the out, because I was confused. Well, the I mean, in I've and the out is the vermouth, and you just put that on the ice and then swill it around a bit and chuck the vermouth out. Yeah, so you it's, put it in the glass and just swish it swish around it so around. it co- coats the glass. Oh, I like that. I got a little arm rub then, too, yeah, people. You I know you can't see what's happening, everyone out there in podcast land. Really I'm getting a little in and out rub by Bridget Moynihan right now. So it's terribly exciting and and it's going to never be the same for me again. In fact, whenever I ask for my vodka martini and I say in and out, it's going to mean something completely different. Um, look, let's just jump straight into it. I've always been obsessed. I thought we had. Well, of course we have. I'm jumping out of it then, OK? Let's get right out of You're it. You're already in it. We're in I'm, it. I'm, I'm blushing now. I think I've caught a fever. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's the most contagious thing I've ever felt. God. Okay. Um, moving swiftly on. Uh, first of all, let's cheers. Why don't we? I want to try oh, this drink. Oh, cheers. Let's do this. I can't do Maybe this. Maybe Bridget, Bridget asks questions as well. I know. Well, I think cheers. Bridget's got us all off our game, quite frankly. <laughs> you know. Hmm. I'm a big fan of a martini too, I've got to say. So I always ask for the olives on the side because you don't know what kind of olives you're going to get. And sometimes they are waxy the or oily now. and they ruin the drink. So you got to check out the olives. Ahead That's of time. very. It's a good point. I do like a filthy martini or a dirty martini. Sorry, did I say filthy? You said filthy. <laughs> so that was my mind and not my drink. But uh, we understood that. I that do. was out loud. <laughs> yes, God, damn it. That's the reason why radio is not my medium. <laughs> but, that, but that's why I brought you on, Tom, because you're so coherent. And together, can edit all these things out. No, they can't. No, never editing anything. <laughs> the whole thing. It's everything but the truth. Uh, or everything but the truth. I don't know. I, I want to talk about something with you, though, which is obviously, look, you have created incredible um, success with this role on, on Blue Bloods. What is it that everyone has this obsession with 
crime and cops and these sorts of shows. I mean, everyone, it's the biggest thing in America. It's so many shows almost on every channel, back to back. What is that? What's that about? I honestly don't have an answer for that, but I think the reason why they like Blue Bloods is really about the family and not necessarily... Well, I love I, Blue I'm, Bloods, sure the, the I'm sure the crime fits into it, but they like sitting around the table with everybody and kind of get to, getting to know them on a personal level. But do you think about it? It's not just your show, okay? You, you, I agree. You've got a great show, nine seasons, whatever it might be. Congratulations. <laughs> whatever. <bloody hell. laughs> Slap yourself on the back. Huge success. Blah, blah, blah. I'm it's just what I can't get over is like you just can't get away from it. And this is a historic thing. I mean, back in Sherlock Holmes, from you know, I grew up as a kid, you know, Tales of the Unexpected, there were all these things that were about crime and about intrigue, and, and, and they get horrible some of them are you know these csi ones where it's really it's one side of the crime that you'd never want to see or, or, or aspects of crime that you you would never tell your kids about but we make television shows that people are obsessed with i'm just curious from the psyche of people and it's not just an american thing this is a worldwide phenomenon we are fascinated with this particular subject matter and, and, I'm, and I was wondering, you know, in your role, when you had to learn your role, when you had to get into this Aaron Reagan character, how much did you have to research to sort of, I don't know, become her? Well, I think that um, the the lawyer aspect, I had to learn some of it's really another language. I would never be speaking right. some some of that dialogue ever in my life. So that was more challenging. Um, I think that, the you know, coming from an Irish Catholic family and sitting here on between two Englishmen. Nerve-wracking. You, you, quite, you, yeah. you quite yeah. like that, right? That, that, I the mean, English. it feels dangerous. Yeah. Well, which, we, which, we, which, which, which part of Ireland? <laughs> <laughs> um, my mother's from Dingle Peninsula right. area. By the way, my grandmother is an O'Reilly from Dublin, and oh. we've had more Irish guests on this show than I think anything else. Yeah, my grandmother was a Guinness, so... There we go. There well, you go. He's always, dropping, he's always dropping names. No. A Guinness. Would... You mean she drank Guinness? No, she... I, by the way, drink Guinness. <laughs> I can't, I can't, dropping a name. It's just her surname was Guinness, right? <laughs> yeah. If there was a famous you know, sandwich called No Riley. The... I've got <laughs> literally the most famous butler in the world, Tom Astor. <laughs> His family is like royalty. Well, you and, can't understand a word he and says. He simply can't, he's, but he can make a great drink. He can. So going up, come on, going back to what you. But don't you think it's strange that people keep committing really senseless crimes or staging them in some cases? And um, but there's all these crime shows on TV. Why not just watch TV and say like, oh yeah, I better not do that. But the shows themselves. The terrifying thing is, I read about a horrendous crime, and I know that it's about to become a TV show. It's like every single horrendous thing that happens. Sometimes I wonder that are they doing the crime in order to get on television or in order to have it kind of turned into a TV show. Right, well, maybe. It, it, it's, so, you know, you mentioned a little bit, like you, it's another language when you learned the sort of lawyer aspect. Do you think now, because, you know, when I listen to you, I'm totally, I, don't, I forget, and I know you, so I'm like, I don't think of you as my friend Then when I'm watching the show. I do actually disappear into your character, which is impressive because it's not always that easy to do that. Um, and I am a big fan of all the people, and even someone like Tom Selleck, who we all have grown up with, it's hard to separate him from all his other shows and yeah. his funny shirts that he used to wear and everything else. But I do. And I, I get sort of sucked in. And But could you think you could actually try a case now because you've got so much experience? I mean, without joking aside, do you think you, kind of, you, you would have the guts to do something like that? I think I would like to. I would like to. I think I would maybe like to solve a crime. Oh, really? You know, more like a detective. That's very interesting. Yes. And, and, and why? I don't know. It just feels like it'd be f interesting to go down to the crime scene and put all the pieces together and I don't know. But that's like reading an Agatha Christie, you know, we were just saying this about it, these crimes being on television. When Agatha Christie was writing, you know, her, her detective novels, and the, right. the, the TV wasn't around, so she didn't know it was all going to be put into these, these shows. Mm -hmm. So the question of what, why people were, you know, why people are interested, I think, I, is it not because people are kind of, because it's never going to happen to them? You know, it's this sort of intrigue of, you know, people actually do, this does happen, but it's not going to ever happen to me, or, it, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I but I think that, you know, it's it's intriguing and it's exciting. And even when it's a crime, you're like, there's some kind of thrill about it. I think you're hoping that the writers are listening so that you're actually going to get written into a completely different role on Blue Bloods. Here's the thing. <laughs> We're going to see I now. I actually don't want that because they work at night a lot of times and I'm a morning person. 
Well, I do not like it's, working it's, at night. It's too late now. No. It's out there. She would, wants would to like actually to... solve a crime. Can you take her? Give her an episode the where shift. she just gets to solve the crime for once. You know, God damn it, nine seasons and she doesn't get what she wants. She's having to come on a podcast to tell you. Would, you. would you consider writing writing the thing so that someone else can work out the crime? I mean, would that be more interesting? Or if I write the thing? If you actually wrote the things to see if anyone else could work out, you know, to solve the crime the other way around. Hmm, maybe. Or I could... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like there was a coroner, uh, uh, the ME, the medical examiner, came on set the other day, and I found her job to be super in, intriguing and exciting. Sure. Exciting, which is strange because she's working with dead people. But I think that's what it is. People are obsessed. And that's why they're obsessed with these cop shows, I guess. I mean, I guess I kind of know the answer. At least I have my own answer, right? Because I'm obsessed. My wife, on the other hand, hates them. She won't watch any of them. She does watch a bit of Blue Bloods, and she likes it because she says, oh, no, they don't show all the graphic detail. Yeah. The crimes are quite sort of, you know, it's more like it's slightly a family version. And she likes all the sort of camaraderie and the stories between all the members of the family and all of those things. And she bought your cookbook and God knows what else, you know. It's like I'm just, I think I've eaten half the food that you've served on the damn table, which I know is not even real food, but I, I've eaten it, so now it is real food. Anyway, we, I, I see those shows and I have a sort of morbid fascination with things that slightly scare me, terrify me, the dark side of life. I don't live in that world, so I'm fascinated with what people, people actually do that. Does someone actually take someone and kidnap them and put them in the, the, underneath their house and then sort of keep them alive for years on end and then you just I mean, yes. that's the most horrendous thing but yes they yeah, do they this do. they do actually my husband invited me away <clears throat> on our second date like upstate somewhere for the weekend I'm like and you thought you'd be, you thought going you were being away kidnapped. with you after meeting you on one date I've seen 48 hours wow be a what are you telling me? he's like oh my god no <laughs> I I, I just I was wondering you, where this was to, going. Like, my husband. If you watch these shows, you get a little like, yeah. hold on, no. Which is not realistic. No, we're not going really, to Really, it's not realistic. Though. But clearly, obviously, it worked because you married the man. Yeah. Well, he didn't take me away that second. That's it. Oh, yeah. so, he handled it. Well. Oh, right. So you said no. I said no. And how's his behavior these days? Is it showing any signs? Any, any funny little? <laughs> any are there any funny little moments that no, little no, changes? No. Little changes in character? Little twitches? Yeah. No, mm. he's okay. Did that take a weird turn? That took it. It did not. It took a fantastic turn. It's like when you least expect to hear something. I was like, wait a second here, I, really? Uh, but no, no, no. That makes complete sense. I, if I you're watching too much of those shows, you're you're going to get concerned. I had to literally with my 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 wife Chrissy. I had to con her into actually even going on a date with me. I had to sort of do a bet with her that I, if I won, I would get her. To, I would take her for dinner, and if she won. I could take it for dinner. And she wouldn't go for on a date with me, and she fell for the whole thing. And, of course, I won the bet and got to take it for dinner. There you go. And uh, so that was our first date. But it took three months to get that far. You know, she would have nothing to do with me. So, you know, yeah, I wonder what distance. the warning signs were. Well, you know, I had a bad reputation. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, but you she know. didn't think you were going to sort of throttle her and stick her in the boob trunk of your car. Like Bridget. <laughs> everyone's, don't know this. everyone's trying to sort of, yeah, everyone's a potential, you know. When you, when you, when you, when you work in the same Killer. line of business that Bridget works in, this is the sort of thing that happens. <laughs> she watches far too much of her own show, clearly. Um, I'm curious, too. I think a Reagan has been kidnapped every single season. Every season? Yeah, so, you know. Anyone would think it was odds. Beirut. <laughs> it's you know yeah. where are no, we living? Sao Paulo? No, it's New York City. It's yeah. sort of oh, really okay. You know, there's a missing Irishman again. Um, <laughs> where is he? Oh, we all know where he is. But anyway, and we'll keep the Irish jokes to the side. Um, political views. Have your political views changed on the show? Working on the show? Political views? No. I'm curious. Only because you know you're very. I know you're a very outspoken person. Am I? No. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> oh yeah. This is someone who'll get up a global citizen in front of a crowd of like a sort of 50,000 people and tell them exactly what she thinks and actually laugh at the guest who was on prior <laughs> because she thinks that they probably shouldn't have been there. So, yes. Oh, is yes, she did. Outspoken, outspoken or opinionated? Watch, watch really yourself like because it was a Republican who was up there right mm. beforehand and I watched you and we, everyone in the audience, we all could see you were like... <clears throat> you. Well, I think that particular person... Um, who was it? I'm trying to remember the exact exact politician who it was. It was uh, we, Flick. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You remember uh, exactly. Can I get you some water? <laughs> I think the woman that I was actually speaking with right. um, had been a 
um, a, abuse victim. Right. So she was having a very um, emotional response for having to be near him because of his recent vote. Right. And so I was trying to keep the peace, frankly. Right. I was what? trying to keep it all calm and like get through to the next moment because she um, has been very vocal about that sort no, of no, thing. No, absolutely. But you're a vocal person too. I mean, you use your social media to say all kinds of things. I mean, I'm very impressed with you and your social media. You're not I do, but afraid. I, I feel like I'm, um, I just kind of point out some common sense. Sure. But a lot of people don't do that, right? I hear you. I agree. Uh, no, I listen. I, I love it. And actually, I wish I had more guts myself to do that. I mean, I feel like I'm sort of got my, my perhaps it's, it's my, my, even my IG is too PC in it. But I have, but I know I put my photography up there, my family, mm -hmm. what I'm doing. But you use it as a tool, which is a difficult thing to do because a lot of people use their IG to raise money, to make money, to, you know, to do this endorsement, to do that endorsement. But, you know, as soon as you get out there and you start being political or having an opinion that is polarizing in any one way or another... Then you of, lose all your endorsements. Right. <laughs> but you don't give a damn. It's as if that's, like, not a part of it, that you don't care, which I think is on, but it you know, really matter, honorable. That it shouldn't, though, of course should it? it should. I mean, you know, and, and I think I love the idea of common sense. There's so little of that going on at the moment, isn't there? So little. There's so little going on. Mm -hmm. There's so much craziness. Going and, and kindness. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a lack of kindness and yeah. consideration. But, so, but, I mean, so what? you don't really have it. You have no issue then with using your IG in that way. What was the first time that you decided that this is what you were going to use this platform for this kind of I think, you know, I think um, I've just, I think I was always gun shy about using social media because I am a relatively private person. And I don't post pictures of my family. And um, and so it's just evolved. And I do try to actually um, monitor what I say. So what I am putting out, I feel like, is kind of <clears throat> common sense or, um, you know, just needs to be said. But I try to stay neutral as far as politics. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I hear what you're saying as far as, you know, you, you, you're trying to be... You control what you say, but I think it's not so much control as in, I'm you know I, I'm scared to say this. It's much more deliberate. So what when you say something, it has there's a reason for saying it, and there's a, there's a, a reaction to what you're saying too. I mean, you, I can't imagine. Do all your fans like what you say? Do you have people who who are blue blood fans who really disagree with? your point of view sometimes and, and, and will chime in? I'm sure there's um, fans who disagree. I'm sure there's people who are not fans who are just on there trolling anyone who disagrees with anything that they don't like. Um, I don't tend to read them because mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of people who are just nasty and negative and abusive, and um, it's my feed, so I'm putting up what I want. And Do you if, block people? I have blocked people. Yeah. When they get kind of sexual or weird, and you were expected to, um, as uh, you expect with your role as what, what you're doing with your, in your acting, are you expected to have a certain degree of kind of platform on your uh, social media, or could you just turn around and go, "I don't do social media." I mean, yeah, I think that there's there's certainly actors on our show that do not have social media, and. Um, I think for anything these days, you are really encouraged to do so, whether you're getting a commercial or some sort of endorsement. I mean, honestly, you can't get a cosmetic or any of these endorsements anymore that you and I used to do modeling all the time unless you have a major right. social media platform, which I don't even have compared to some of the the people working in those fields. Right, and one could argue partly because you are so political or you're so outspoken, rather, um, not not political, outspoken, um, that... Um, you know, and I but, don't use my kids. And you don't use my your kids. kids. Yeah. And she says that at me, looking at me, by the way, knowing no. that I put my kids on my social media. It's very direct. I don't whore you know, my the, kids out. This is the mood. This is the, <laughs> <laughs> I, on the other hand, whore, whore my children out constantly. I stick them out there. I know that it's going to work. I know it's going to get me followers. You know, follow me, please, because of my dance moves that my daughter does on my <laughs> stories are just the biggest hit. When I realized that people actually wanted to see my daughter dancing more than anything I had to show, my best pictures of my career, yeah, I, know. I knew I was onto something. <laughs> That's I'm like, true. Honey, I'm going to retire. And the other day, you know, the other day, my little daughter, she's 10 years old, she was dancing. She's like, Daddy, don't forget to hashtag dog pound because she was wearing one of my dog, dog pound T-shirts. Oh, and I was like, 
Oh, 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 you're right. Of course, absolutely. I forget this is your social media. Let yeah. me just get it all right for you and get it. How do you juggle being? I mean, you know, we don't have to talk about your family, but I'm just. How do you juggle being a parent and your busy life? It's not easy being a celebrity, going to events at night, and I see you out once in a while. How do you do all of that? It's a once in a while. I really don't go out that much because. I, I think that once I became um, a mother and I was uh, a single mother for a long time and I felt like a mommy guilt that if I mm-hmm. wasn't working and I had my child and, he you know, he wasn't with his dad, then I should be spending time with him. So I kind of got that rhythm. So I ended up spending a lot of time with my son. And then once, you know, I got married, my husband has three children. So... We're kind of like... Join the brood. It's a but lot that's of, interesting. You said mummy guilt. It's not mummy guilt at all. It's, it's completely normal. It's completely I mean, you normal. Shouldn't, it's something you seriously should not feel guilt. You know, it, yeah, sh- yeah, yeah. it should be something that comes out. I mean, that's completely right. normal. But everyone's like, oh, you know, yeah. you're kind of... Ex- there's so much to do in New York City, and there's so many great events to go to or, you know, theater or movies or whatever. But if I have my kid, I, I tend to not go out and be social I just you know. yeah. do you sometimes have the opposite forget about the mummy guilt do you have the guilt that you're not doing your job properly then if you're not going out because that's the other side of it I lived in New York for many many years and I just recently moved and the family out of the city mm-hmm. that was a huge step for us but when I was here I would get you know I had a publicist and then every day there would be all the things that we have to do these are all the events of New York City you've got to be seen you've got to be out there you've got to be relevant you know this is a good one this is a good one and there's a good one every every night. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would not go. Then I would think, I'm not doing the right thing. So I'd try and do it all. I'd put my kids to bed. And then I would pick the events that I could go to after I put them to bed. Or I'd go to an event, come back, kiss them on the head goodnight, then go out again. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, does that, do you, you have a publicist. What is it like having a publicist tell you, you know, or suggest to you what to do and what not to do? Maybe my publicist has resigned to the fact I'm never going to be really relevant. And she's like, whatever. <laughs> That I don't believe. She does not force me. If it has to do with the show or um, really, you know, charity events, obviously, you know, are important to me. And Jumpstart, for one. <clears throat> Jumpstart. Early literacy. We're yeah. both on, we both, are you on the board as well? On the board, kind of? Um, I, th- I removed myself from the board. I couldn't dedicate my time to no, it. No, it's a lot, a lot of, yeah. lot, a lot of work. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of on the board myself, and I do a lot of work. They did great work, but you've always been someone who's ever since well, I've the, been there, you've been there. Yeah, and I'm still going to do what I always started doing with them, but I just can't juggle all those roles anymore. Um, and hole in the wall gang camp, obviously, and global Absolutely. citizen. So those are important things to me, but I can't go to. Every, I'm j- I just get too tired. And then if you're working on a show, you know, the hours are kind of long at times. So you're just not really available to handle it all. Well, also, it's just the whole publicist thing. And I listen, I've had one. I, I work with publicists all the time, and I know you have. But it, for example, when I emailed you or I texted you and I sort of said, hey, would you like to be on the show? You responded to me yourself and said yes, and that's not always the case. I mean, I did obviously speak to your publicist and try and all the all the bits and pieces, and it wasn't me who did that. Our team helped with all those aspects. But there are a lot of people who immediately go to the publicist, and you know that their life is being led through publicists, even though they're your friend or they know you or there's some aspect that's. You know, I've I've always wondered like what that must. I've never allowed that to happen to me in my own world, but it is a very common thing in this sort of celebrity world and. I mean, what do you think of that? What is your opinion of that kind of life, of living your life through publicists? I don't know. I guess maybe if you're like J-Lo, you need to. But since I don't really... I mean, I think so. Since I guess, I'm living at home with my son most of the time, I don't need... So I guess taking it one step further, I guess my, yeah. to really sort of think about this, I, I, my, one of the things, and I, I get asked this question too, I mean, I've been married to Chrissy now for 20 years, 20 years this year, together for 25 years. Thank you. Um, you know, I, the number one thing I get asked is, you know, how do you keep a relationship together? You know, people that, you know, it's a long time. And, and it is just in general a long time. But in our business, it's quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And there aren't that many people in entertainment in general. It who, helps oh. your wife is a contortionist. That is true. That is true. There's never a dull moment. Well, he had a, he had a theory about this. So you say, well, uh, well, look, I have a couple of theories. First of all, you're quite right. Only the other day on the red carpet, someone said to me, oh, you two, how do you keep it together? Well, how do you stay in love? And I said, 
have you seen her? <laughs> that was my response. To which she slapped me and said, what do you mean seen me? What about my mind? What about my brain? And I was like, <laughs> no, no, of course, course, absolutely. Chrissy, I, I apologize for my comment. Have you heard her next time? Have I heard her? I said, have I? Exactly. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, yes, I'm that shallow. I'm a guy. I'm afraid 20 years and I'm still just infatuated with the way you look. I haven't even gotten it dug any deeper. But um, <laughs> no, you know, that's, so just, shallow, is that's just how shallow we are. Um, but no, no, no. Truly, you know, for sure, the, that longevity. But when you live your life with publicists, when you are a celebrity, when you live those lives, do you, I'm, I'm just wondering whether that whole celebrity life falls apart because of things like the publicist, because of that separation of not really allowing yourself to be open enough to make your own decisions, to fall in love, to be, op- to be sort of present half the time. And I met Chrissy prior to, you know, when I was a kid. So I think that's part of the reason. You met Chrissy prior to you were a kid? No, prior to me being sort of famous, oh. if you like. Sorry, oh, okay. when okay. I was a kid. Okay. Prior, when I was a kid. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but what was the question? I guess the question... <laughs> The question is here, do you think, well, I know I'm doing great here. I'm answering my own question to people. I'm going to interview myself now. Um, You know, two martinis in, who can understand the thing anyway? I guess, again, I'm going to try and clarify this. When you you live a life as a celebrity, you're run by publicists and things, do you think that has an effect on these people's relationship in Hollywood? I think that if you live your life as a celebrity and you buy into the fact that you're a celebrity and you kind of you live that aspect of your life first, then maybe things start falling apart. But if you are grounded and keep your roots, then I think you have a chance at it. And you guys seem to do that. We try. We try. What's the secret of your relationship? It's brand new. We got married, what, three, four years ago? And we're, you know... Still newlyweds. Still newlyweds. Still deeply suspicious. Deeply suspicious. Where are we going this weekend? No, we're not. That's outrageous. We're not going anywhere, babe. (laughs) That's not happening. Yeah, look at me like that. Yeah. Yeah, I have myself tailed anytime we go out into the country. I just want to make sure, you know. I, you know, I, I'm, I, I feel, I pity the man. Is all I can say. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but wow. no, he's like, he's, he's such an easy, nice guy. A real, just, he's like my best friend. So he I think is I chose well. A lovely man. He's yeah. a charming, very, very charming guy. I've had the privilege of meeting him a few times. He's a very, very sweet guy. And hey, that's really the ultimately. If you're just in love, I think is the answer. You know, don't question it too much. Not that yeah. I'm going to give anyone advice, but. That's my number one piece. It's just actually just be in, just allow yourself to be in love. Well, that's the thing. It's like you, if you're just going for looks or a great six pack, maybe twelve pack, depending on what you're really into. Contortion abilities. Yeah, it's going to fade. So let's again take it reel you back a bit in time because oh you mentioned it. You By said the way, it. Did you we brought ever, it up. What? What did I mention? You brought up the fact that we modeled together yes, at some okay. point, or we're at the same period. So somebody in time. asked me this: if I. First, if we had shot together, okay, and if you shot me, did okay. you take my pictures before? Yes. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. See, but, that, well, <laughs> thank you for that. Wow. Sorry. I can't remember. But did we shoot? You, were you like a, I thought you were going to say something else for a moment. Did we sort of something else? Something else happened? I'm sorry. Yes, we did shoot and the pictures are beautiful. They're on my living room wall. Right. But now you're asking me a question. No. Yes. Did we model together? I think that we might have modeled together. I, Chrissy this morning said, well, you guys used to, you guys modeled together in Paris. And I'm like, yeah, oh. Yeah, she remembers. She remembers. But see, I kind of banished almost my entire modeling career to another part of my mind. I know, me So too. I remember virtually nothing of, of it at all. But, you know, it was, but uh, so going back to that period of time, I remember for me transitioning out of it, you know, I literally did everything I could down to shaving my head. I used to have long hair down past my shoulders and I actually did shampoo commercials with my hair. Oh, wow. So there's there's a, that was, I cut it to get rid of it. Was your modeling name Fabio? Oh God, do you remember my milk commercials, my my dairy commercials? Yeah, I remember your underpant commercials. (laughs) I remember my mother, my mother, my mother, we were going on holiday and we were in Heathrow Airport, my mother dragging me. Everyone remembers my underpant commercials. To a tie rack and pointing at this array of, Brief jockey wife fronts, you know, so, and, lo- and she said, "Please tell me, please tell me that that isn't Nige." And I went, and we were at school at the time, and I went, "Oh my god!" And ever since then, his, your nickname, nickname in my family was Jockey for a long time. I've been called worse. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, all I can but say. I, I don't think I ever did. I ever tell you that anyway. So well, I, I no, but your it. mother did. 
Did she, did she tell you that? Yes, yeah, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, God, don't start. <laughs> yeah, right back at you. Okay. <laughs> you just had a spite, man. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I'm in the middle. Yeah, you're all right. You're all right. We've known each other too long for that. So, how did you transition out of modding? Was it difficult? Because it's it's not always easy to to for people to sort of forget what you last did and accept you for something else. <clears throat> and I, certainly, modeling to acting is not unusual. But I did make, take a. I, I made a conscious choice not to model and act. So I tried to stay away from modeling at the time. At the time, there was this weird, I don't know what you call it, but you didn't want to be a model when you were acting, you know? Um, it's just like you also didn't want to do TV if you were doing films. And now all the lines are blurred. Like, now it doesn't matter. But at the time, there was a stigma. Right, but I mean, do you think there is no longer a stigma? Or I don't. I, as like, I think that everyone, you know, actors are on the cover of magazines and selling, you know, shampoo and toothpaste, and you can go back and forth between TV and film, and I don't, you know, I don't think there's any problem. Did you have to sort of try and change the way you look too? I mean, in the, not that, you know, obviously leading ladies <clears throat> are pretty much always very beautiful, very glamorous, have a certain look to them you know, as far as the, the classic, and I think that's not necessarily a good thing because I think it's, you know, obviously we, we should be looking for characters and people who are just great actors. But ultimately, when you look at the sort of lineup of, there's always a sort of a, a general attractiveness that runs across leading ladies. Yeah, I think, you know, there is something about the camera loving you and you, you may be beautiful, you may not. It just, people just have it or not in front of a camera. Which is why you're in radio. Thank you. Um. Which is why I'm retiring to radio. God damn it. Jesus. Can you cut a guy some slack here? I just said I could retire here. No one will know. I'm going to put a picture up of me from about 15 years ago. That's going to be my shot. And in about 30 years, it's still going to be Nigel Barker from Shaken and Stirred looking like he's 34 years old. You know what? You know she's right as well. That's the awful thing is. Well, why do you think I put myself next to you? So I would always look good. I know, but you, well, you can't see me. You can't see us. That's the whole point. We're on radio. Oh, God. I know, but guess what? They can't understand you either, So, uh, which is going to be a recurring theme today. I love this. Oh, my God. So, okay, so you didn't... Because I, I myself, like I said, shaved the head. You know, I put on a lot of weight. I changed everything, my diet. I just kind of did what I wanted to do. I became me, really. I kind mm-hmm. of didn't have to worry about those things. As an actress, you know, obviously you're not going to necessarily put on weight unless it's for a role. But did you really have to... I mean, your first big piece was Coyote Ugly. That's a classic movie yeah so i, so I didn't that, really that have to hilarious. change my looks <laughs> no looks were changed for that for sure um, you created fashion statements in I fact di- i think honestly i think those coyote ugly girls changed the look of american girls for a while everybody started wearing these super low, rise, low pants which and, we loved yeah yeah i didn't, loved didn't you didn't you apologize yeah, on I behalf did. Of, I did. Um, I really did. Because 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 there there aren't that many people who can. Who There's can, like a few people who can wear who them. Can get like away with Mick it. Jagger and right. And my wife. And your wife. And there you go. That's it. That's pretty much it. Mick Jagger and my wife. <clears throat> I almost married Mick Jagger actually. It's like skinny jeans too. You know, yeah. some guys can wear skinny jeans. A lot of guys cannot. Did you ever have an issue with male models? What kind of issue? Just like not like them very much. No, I think I liked. I, I went out with one, I think one. I, I had. Did you say as, something to him when you were modeling together or something? Where did that question come from? I know. Because, because, where did that come from? Because it came from the fact that I hated modeling. I really didn't like it. I just, it was, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, I've, I've, you know, obviously spent my career in the modeling industry talking about models, making models, but male modeling for me was one of the most degrading things I ever did. I found it very difficult, very tough, very little creative outlet. Um, you were always on someone's arm. You were paid less. It's sort of, you know, you, as far as you know, inequality in a job from a guy's perspective, this is probably one of the only jobs, right? I know no one gives a damn. Smallest violin in the world. I get you, you know. But I, I, but it is interesting, and it's that I'm is. I'm sure you're getting paid more than me right now. Well, I'm, I've got at least two more olives than you. That's for sure in my drink. So yes, you know. Well, there you go. I, I, I mean, I, I'm out now. You know, that's it. But uh, no, I, I think I, that's what the reason how, I really many, needed to get out too. How many um, models become actresses? I mean, not very many. I don't I know don't why. Know. It's a sort of a, it's, a, it's a kind of it's not a thing that happens a lot, is it? It's not something that I mean. Obviously, did you were you always an actress that modelled in order to in order to get 
by at a, when you were looking for work, or how did how did it all? No, I I left. I I acted in one school play, but then I had to make the choice between acting and sports, and so I I stuck with sports. Then the modeling started um, after high school. Right. And I moved to Europe, and I just did that. It's just when my parents kept saying, like, when are you going to get a real job? And after 10 years, I thought, well, maybe I should get a real job. My parents still ask me that, by the way. I know, mine too. And um, <laughs> Were you wanting to be an actress during that time? So I said I really want to do try acting, so I went to school for three years, and they kind of gave me that leeway. And after three years, I started auditioning mm-hmm. and... So you've, that's when Coyote Ugly right. and Sex in the City sort of all happened at the same time. So, which is obviously an incredible launch pad into yeah. a great career. It, you know, and you've done several movies, lots of great big films, but you really are obviously at this point really well known for Blue Bloods and this, this sort of television role. What is the difference really from being from acting on sort of television to to acting in movies? Is there a stigma attached to one on the other? I don't. I don't think there's the stigma anymore. Um, but, but they used to be, right? They, they kind of was. They used to be, and you, if you were working on TV, you probably wouldn't have a film career. And if you had a film career, you would not think about going on to TV. Um, and my first question when I started getting into acting, they wanted to send me right down to the soap operas, and I said, no, I, I don't want to do that. So I kind of made at least that line in the sand and um, started going out on Film. That's why my acting career never went anywhere. Yuck. You went. I went bloody yeah, young but, and the restless. Yeah, but at the same time, Robin <laughs> Wright was on Santa Barbara, and look at her. Look at her, See? Kylie Minogue. Remember her? Yeah. Was she yeah. on a? Oh yeah, oh. she was on soap opera. Soap opera, big Australian soap opera. What was but it? But it's not the norm, though. Is it? It's not the norm minutes. to be able to. In the old days, you either did one or the other. Yeah, right? you can really make the crossover. Oh. No, no, for sure. I mean, it's it completely, it, it, and it still can be difficult mm-hmm. to do that kind of crossover. So, changing, sort of, just moving, shifting a little bit here. Are we switching sh- seats? Well, not exactly shifting seats, but I wanted to talk about okay. you as an actress. You've been you've been doing this, you know, playing roles that are very tough, very hard. Certainly, as a, a lawyer um, right now uh, on Blue Bloods, but you have a new role in Crown Vic. You're playing a drug addict. Mm, yeah, that's a completely different. What is that like, and what made you pick that role, and or decide to do it? It's completely different. It's, is it? It's obviously outside your wheelhouse. Is something you like the challenge, and how does I, that work? I did like the challenge. Um, I thought the script was really good, and I, you know, it was a couple days, and it fit into my hiatus, and um, so I, I was really scared to do it because it is so outside of what I've done. So I did spend some time speaking to some people who were, you know, working methadone programs or had a problem at one time in their life and um, really just dove into kind of researching some But what's that process like? You don't just read about it, do you? Or do you, I mean, obviously you don't take the drugs, but do you... Do you have just... I did not take the drugs. See, I, that's method acting, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't I don't go think there. You wanted to, I think you want to you say get you're that not... deep into your That would be really bad. But I... there are actors who really go into roles, aren't they? I've yeah. read about them. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis, I hear, sort of takes himself into a whole other world. He's sort of almost unrecognizable to his own True. family. But I, I have never read that he, like, started shooting heroin for a drug. Right. Like, that would be, I don't know. So how does... I, feel, I don't know how you come back from that. So, as an actor, then when you're when you're impersonating, you because you, you, normally when you're acting, don't you have to really feel it? You have to be it. You have to channel it, right? I'm not an actor. I don't necessarily know all these things, but I, you know, I've heard, I've read, I've interviewed people who've talked about the process, and everyone has their own thing. And ultimately, you know, certainly, it's very hard to act a drunk if you don't you don't feel it. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're not there, Russell Brandt, I've worked with, and mm-hmm. he plays a drunk very well. He's not really drinking anymore, right? So, but he remembers that the feeling mm. and he kind of puts it on, but he's been there, mm-hmm. you know? So that's why I was wondering, in a role like this, which is a challenge, it's a challenging role, I think, for any actor to play a drug addict. And and, and, and for you, who've not really, one who I've seen, never done a role like this. No, but this this YouTube thing. right. You can it's really strange. Look up drug addicts. There are people who actually film their lives as drug addicts and kind of give you a wide open look yeah. at their life of trying to score, taking taking the drugs, how it is when they're needing more, what, you know, trying to get off of it. 
I mean, there's a wide range, and they've really opened up their worlds because in some ways they they don't want to do it, and they're sometimes ashamed of it, and they want to get out, and they want you to understand that well, they're they not in control it. over it. Um, it's really heartbreaking, and it's bra- in some ways it's brave for them to put that out there. Um, so there was a lot of material like that. Can I just ask a question? Was, was, there, was there an ad before the YouTube video of the drug addict? I'm just curious as to whether you were actually paying for their habit oh. by watching the ad prior to the no. video. And this is how they're now actually paying for it. It's bloody clever, actually, isn't it, really? I mean, put the video up there. I wouldn't have thought of that. Uh, God, it's you just shocking. Dream role. Dream, what's your dream role? Dream role. I don't, I don't know. Clearly not drug addict. <laughs> It was it was really fun to play, and um, I haven't seen the film, so hopefully, hopefully. Um, when is Crown Vic out? Do we know? I think it's um, being shown at the Tribeca Film Festival. Fantastic! Yeah, amazing! Yeah. So you've written books, cookbooks. Well, I did a cookbook. Congratulations! Thank you. I really. Um, there are some good recipes in there. There are. I've yeah. had a few. Have you really? No, I have. Really? No, really. Okay, good. I know it doesn't just look good on television, by the way. This sort of Blue Bloods cookbook. I mean, I first of all laughed when I saw it. You talk about yourself, though. No, no, no. Oh, the, re- the recipe book. Thank <laughs> okay, you, darling. Okay, yes. No, so you know, this recipe book that you wrote, or you, you sort of wrote, or what, what, you don't write a recipe book, do you? I mean, well, I didn't write the recipe book. I, I got all the recipes from my mom. Um, some, you know, a lot of the recipes are the ones we grew up on, or you know, all the actors on the show donated one of their family recipes. Um, we took some inspiration from the, mil- the meals that we were having on sh- on the show, so it's kind of a collection of poo-poo platter. A poo-poo platter. It sounds very appetizing. <laughs> I'll take two of those. Two, two, two poo-poo platters, please. God, that would never go down in England. I, that was that was your publicist speaking, wasn't it? Right, Whatever uh, you do, you refer to your book as. The okay, so you have a new a new sh- a new book coming out. It's called Our Shoes Ourselves: Forty Women, Forty Stories, Forty Pairs of Shoes. I, listen, I think it's a great idea, the concept behind this book, but it was surprising for me too. I'm like, okay, you did a cookbook and now you're doing a book on shoes. This is not the books that I thought I would, you would come out of you. What kind of book do you think is going to come out of me? I thought you would be something serious, some kind of, I don't know, novel about crime and you know, modeling world or something kind of the sexy serious like the modeling world do you know, do you know that I know that was I know I did you spot that as well yeah that's how <laughs> I, that's I, mean, I, I believe I believe in fashion worthy of comment. I believe in fashion <laughs> um, if you would, you would have noticed when Bridget came in you, did you notice her shoes I did I looked immediately at her shoes that's one of the finest pairs of shoes I've ever seen you like those shoes I do love nice shoes and Thank they're you. a particularly nice pair of shoes okay he's now chatting you up no I'm not this is how no, he no, does no, it no, no, he no. starts at the ground I'm and he works his way I just I so far as anyone else we've seen, they haven't worn shoes nearly as nice as that. So tell me about our shoes ourselves. Where did this book come from? <laughs> Is that wrong? I like a man with a foot fetish. I do. I have one what? as well. Oh, good. Well, he, he said it first. Don't try to get, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. jump the line. He's always I know. Trying to do that. I know. I have one. I have one too. Please. Me too, sir. <laughs> I like your feet. I like your shoes. Gonna be sucking my toes soon. Oh my god! <laughs> Goodness me! Stop it! I'm getting a bit of vision. Our, sh- our shoes, ourselves. Um, I was cleaning out my closet. I had to get rid of all these shoes that were just like coming in and out of storage all these years, and I can't wear them anymore. Mm-hmm. But then I found myself I couldn't get rid of them, and I couldn't understand why because I'm not really that fashiony. I'm not obsessed with shoes at all. Um, and then I realized it was memories. So I called my friend Amanda Benchley, who is, who's done um, some books, and she was, did some documentaries. And I said, I think we might have something here. So we, you know. To write a book that, that talks about <clears throat> shoes and what they mean to people. Yeah, the things that life moment, the, the memories behind them. So we uh, went out to a wide range of people, different backgrounds, different age groups, different professions. And um, we have some astronauts and scientists and sports stars. And but these aren't all just obviously. So people haven't oh. seen this book. We you know. Obviously, we're talking on a podcast here. But when you hear about a, a book about shoes and women, these aren't. We're not talking about people's favorite stilettos, are we? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, not necessarily. They could be. Um, the what are some book of the has a beautiful, sexy 
pink stiletto on the cover. I so saw it's, that. it's a beautiful um, coffee book, but the stories in some cases get really personal. And it's about, you know, some people have shared really um, intimate steps or moments in their life. And, you know, steps was good. Yeah, I like steps. that. Part. You like, you like yeah, that? no, for sure. The publicist is going to jump all over that, the steps <laughs> aspect. I, I, so the pink, oh. pink stiletto on the cover. Why the pink stiletto? I know you just said oh, it's a beautiful coffee table book because of the pink stiletto, but isn't it isn't it expected to see the pink stiletto on the cover because it's a, sure, a book on shoes? Wouldn't it, I just was curious from a creative standpoint why you picked that because it, it is almost the expected when you think of a woman's shoe, mm-hmm. yet when you read the book and who's written in the, you know, Christian Allen Poor, mm-hmm. Christy Turlington's uh, first sneaker, you know, things that, and she's a big runner. So th- th- why didn't you pick one of those shoes? Why didn't you pick a sort of the shoe that you wouldn't imagine with a woman? I think that one, one that shoe was coming from one of the participants and it just really popped. So visually it just looks really yummy. Um, but then you're right. It's a beautiful shoe. I love it. You open it up and you've got flippers, you've got ice skates, you've, you know, you have a wide range of shoes in there and stories. So what's one of your favorite stories in there? Rosie Perez has a really beautiful story that she shared. Um, and Senator Duckworth had you know, obviously there's a story behind hers that's very public, but she, the way she told the story just very, was very visual and you really, you know, you just were transported to that moment. Um, well, do you have a favorite shoe story of your own? Well, I have one in there. I mean, you're not going to say it, are you? <laughs> She's not going to release it, is it? You're going to have to read the damn book. Yeah, to do. I'm going to tell you my own shoe story. Because, yeah, you know, listen, you wrote this book. It's all about women, 40 women. All the women get together. It's like guys don't talk about shoes. But, I mean, come on now. Why, but you have something, right? You have something in your closet that is kicking around. And Chrissy's always like, when are you going to get rid of that? And uh-huh. you say, but I can't. Oh, by the way, I have about sort of 400 pairs of shoes, first of all. I, I have crazy collection That's of shoes. That's the model coming out. Second of all, I buy all Chrissy's shoes, every single pair of stilettos, and she has loads because I'm obsessed with Christiane Louboutin. And I go in there and I, they see, every time I walk by, it's like a kid past a candy store. And I go in and I'm just like, oh my God, the construction, the look, the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everyone thinks I'm a cross-dresser actually by the number of shoes <laughs> I buy from there. Um, and so have you ever put them I, on? Trust me, I've never put them on. They're a size nine and I'm a size 13. Just saying. Putting that out there. Does he say that every show? That I'm a size 13? Yeah. Well, you know. You know what they say. You know what they say. So, uh, foot fetish. Back to foot fetishes. You shouldn't have to say it. I was was casting (laughs) and auditioning for America's Next Top Model. And they came to me as a photographer and they said, look, we'd love you to be on the show. Can you audition? And I'm like, okay, I've never done anything like this before. Um, and I went out with a buddy of mine who's a, a stylist, and he said, let me help you. Let me get you dressed up so that when you meet these guys from Hollywood, they'll see you and they, they'll, they'll you know, think of you as a real fashionista because I had kind of lost my fashion moment that point. Why didn't I was just you shooting. just wear jeans and a T-shirt? Well, I didn't. I really kind of, I kind of wore kind of a cool T-shirt and a, a jean jacket and some slacks, but I went shoe shopping with this guy. And I remember he took me to Prada, and this was in 2002. And in Prada were a pair of red like winkle picker type shoes. They're big Wait, leather shoes. What was it? Winkle pickers. What's a winkle so picker? So it's a type of shoe brogue. that, that like a brogue with a long pointy toe. Um, and they, they were worn by the sort of um, the mods. Teddy boys. Uh, teddy boys okay. uh, in the 1970s, that mm-hmm. style of shoe. So it's a very specific kind of thing, but it was bright red leather. And I was like, I'm never going to wear that. I know red leather. I've never had red shoes in my life. What are you talking about? And he's like, these are going to be the shoe. And I'm like, you got, uh, listen, okay, you're a stylist. I'm just going to take it, you know, and I bought this pair of shoes, the most expensive pair of shoes I'd ever bought, bright red leather. I went to this audition. I met with all the producers on Top Model. They, and as soon as I walked in, they were like, oh, we love your shoes. Where'd you get your shoes from? And I mentioned it. We talked about it. Anyway, I did this whole casting, this whole audition. Didn't hear from them for about six weeks. Thought I hadn't got the job. Got a call back. And it was literally like Hollywood calling. And I was in my studio and one of my assistants said, oh, there's a call for you from Hollywood. And I picked up the phone and they said to me, um, you know, we, we'd love you to do become a permanent judge on America's Next Top Model. And by the way, bring those red shoes because they look fantastic. We'd like you to wear them on the foot. And I've kept them ever since. So here, wow. they're still in my cupboard. They stand there. And every time I look at them, I'm like, my whole life took a shift yeah. at that moment. So talking about shoe stories, I read your book and I, the first thing I thought was, why I have a pair of shoes. Me? There you go. Why, what, what, he's like, well, why didn't you ask him? 
about his story. Why isn't he in your book? That's what I said. Yeah. That was what I was saying. <laughs> it should be 40 women and one guy. <laughs> and then that guy. You know, it's such a stereotype to just say women that have maybe, and shoes. Maybe, Nigel, maybe you should do the male version. I'm going to. I'm going to rip her off. Why don't we do it together? Oh, oh there we go. Hello. There you go. There I just go. got an invitation. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Well, you need, a, after this, you're going to need a new job. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a stilettos girl? I used to be. Not anymore. But no, those those are going gone. Done. Charity. Donation. Char- charity. Yeah. What just no, but you're wearing wedges right now or something or big no, heels. I'm using I'm wearing a nice uh Oh no, it's a small okay, I didn't actually I had not noticed her shoe. No. I will actually she's lifting her shoe up my foot up. Look at that. That's pretty beautiful. Shoe. It's a very pretty shoe. What do we call that? A pony heel. I don't know. Yeah. What do you call that? A little no, wedge. It's like very Oxford, pretty. Isn't it? It's like a sort of Oxfordy. Yeah. Female Oxford. Oh, he's yeah. taking the shoe off now completely. So everyone out there with foot fetishes, you just imagine this. Okay. She has nice oh, feet. There is a foot fetish, a Bridget Moynihan foot fetish, like um, Instagram. Because you have very pretty feet. I don't think well, I don't, it actually. Helps the ankles help as well. I have a nice ankle. Yeah. But I wouldn't say my feet. Can I had foot surgery. Stop undressing her, please. Yeah. I didn't. Well, he's taking his time, she's by not the wearing way. any socks. No, he's he's worked really his way up just your yeah, ankles. Just he's not wearing any socks. He I takes can see time. it from here. <laughs> this is not. The show is all about foreplay. I'm knocking things over now, too. <laughs> 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 terrifying. I'm getting all nervous. You just fondled my olives. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. I had a hold of your leg a minute ago as well. Anyway, <laughs> like I can't see that on radio. <laughs> Oh, my God. You know, we started this interview off with talking about the Irish being stuck between two English. You know, what is the, what is the deal with the Irish and the English here and, and this whole conversation? Uh, we're all Irish. Because we're all Irish, really. O'Reilly's, Guinnesses and... And Moynihan's. Moynihan's. Do you think the Irish have a hard, cho- have a hard time they in have, general? They can have a good time. Well, that, that's for sure. Chin, chin. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, do you think they have a hard time in life? I mean, I don't know. Well, I think they probably well, you're did. Irish. When they, during the potato famine, it probably wasn't much fun. But I mean, generally after that, um, I've never met the Irish, and New York seemed to be having quite a good time. Yeah, and whenever I've been to Ireland, they look like they're having a good time. They look like they're having a good time. Yeah. There's just it's always this sort of very anti-English thing with the Irish in general. I mean, are you are you surprised? Every single one the way of the our, English have, no, of course, I'm the not. The English have behaved, but that's why surprised? I'm asking the question because every single one of our Irish guests, and we've had several, on, have said to us literally, "Oh, it's funny to be sitting between two English people." You know, this sort yeah. of, you know, this is the first time I've done this, or like, I don't normally get interviewed like with two English people, and and so I, I bring it up to another Irish person, just wondering in general, like, is this something you feel? In, no. No, but it's just a standing joke. Well, it's just a standing joke between, yeah. It's like the Scottish. Well, we're not offended at all. <laughs> it's like the Scottish and the English, the Irish and the English. I mean, the English haven't done a huge amount to kind of, you know, make themselves minutes. popular. So what are you? You're Irish. I'm, but I'm, grew up in... I, well, I have a grandmother who's, who's Irish. Yeah. Grandfather who was very English, St. John. So came over when, well, Norman probably. German. Something. Scottish. Yeah, Scottish. Scottish. I don't call McNeil, so my grandmother's McNeil, so. I'm, uh, yeah, all sorts. But I think it matters, isn't it? He's really just a cocktail, like we all are. I think we can drink to that. There you go. Bridget, it's been a pleasure having you on Shaken Instead. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers.